In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along uh, to the uh, programme, hope you're managing to stay dry because again there was a lot of rain overnight and we are getting uh, calls in uh, again this morning. I mean Middleton looks like it is going to flood again. Can you believe that with everything that the people of Middleton have been putting up with uh, this week? But we have reports in that Kilmallock has been faced with uh, overnight flooding. That's according to Munster Fire Control. They say they received at least three calls over the course of last night with the reports of heavy flooding occurring on the road between Kilmallock and Abruff. And then news coming through to us that there's uh, flooding now in uh, the town of Charleville, flooding in Meadowvale earlier this morning. The rain is still falling, so be careful on the roads because there's a lot of surface uh, water in the Charleville to Kilmallock Road flooded. Ballyhay uh, Road, Ardnagiha to Ballyhay Road completely flooded. Liscarroll to Bottevent badly uh, flooded and roads out out of Churchtown are all uh, flooded. We will return to that uh, topic in a couple of minutes but I want to start this morning because we're coming to the end of the first week of evidence at the trial of 33-year-old Joseph Pushka who denies the murder of school teacher Ashleen Murphy on the banks of the Grand Canal at Tullamore on the 12th of January last year. Our reporter Andrew Louth has been following proceedings at the Central Criminal Court this week and Andrew joins me. Good morning to you Andrew. Good morning, Patricia. And you're you're welcome. Now, I suppose, can you start by reminding us, what is the state's case against Joseph Pushka? Of course. So um, it's the state's case that um, the accused, uh, Joseph Pushka of Lion Alley Grove in Muckla in County Offaly, admitted to murder uh, of Ashing Murphy and confessed just to a level of detail which that person would know what happened. Now, Mr. Pushka denies those allegations and the jury were told that Ashing Murphy was 23 years of age and was a school teacher when she died. And in the opening statement on Tuesday, Miss Anne-Marie Lawler for the prosecution outlined a number of witnesses that the jury can be expected to hear from over the course of the trial. And this, this trial is expected to last for up to five weeks. Now, the defence said that It would probably be four weeks, but the judge, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt, told jurors that it would be prudent to allow for a potential fifth week. So, uh, Ms. Anne-Marie Lawler said the jury will see CCTV evidence 
which allegedly shows Mr. Pushka cycling in close proximity to two women on separate occasions in Tullamore on the day Ashling Murphy was killed. And Miss Lawler added that they will hear evidence from two women who witnessed the alleged attack on Ashling Murphy, and we will discuss that a, a bit later on. And how one describes seeing her legs kicking as well as alleged features and demeanours of the assailant. Now, Miss Lawler also claimed the area in which Ashling Murphy was killed along the Grand Canal in Tullamore had a large overgrowth and was covered in briars. And it's alleged Mr. Pushka had cuts in exposed areas of his body, which Miss Lawler said is consistent with leaving the scene. Yeah, because I know on day one, on, on Tuesday, uh, you know, we heard from Gardaí, there was a lot of uh, talk about maps and photographs, which was basically trying to lay out the topography of uh, the uh, area. But the prosecution, they very quickly moved to witnesses, didn't they? Uh, the first was a woman. Yeah, so uh, most of the afternoon on Tuesday was looking at uh, those uh, pictures and those maps that you outlined there. And then there was a small bit more of this on uh, Wednesday morning. But then the rest of Wednesday morning session, right up to lunchtime, was taken by the evidence of the first civilian witness of this trial, a woman by the name of Janice Stack. And she told the jury that she had arranged to meet her friend Aoife Marin to go for a run on the 12th of January last year. And she had left work at around 10 to 3 that afternoon. She said that they had planned to do a 7-kilometre run, so that's 3.5 kilometres along the canal and 3.5 kilometres back. And while they were on their run, a bike which had illuminous green forks, as they were described, had caused Miss Stack's eye. And she described it as being pushed down into the hedgerow, which she thought was strange. She said that she had wondered what it was doing there and that she and Aoife continued their run. But they didn't get too far before being caused by the sound of rustling. Now, Miss Stack said that her friends told her that she thought that there was someone there. And uh, Miss Stack took a closer look and could see the back of what was described as a navy padded bomber jacket. Now, Miss Stack said she shouted at a man she could see crouched down there and she asked, uh, are you okay and what are you doing? And she said uh, to the jury that the man turned around, his teeth were kind of gritting and he said, get away. Now, Miss Stack said that she could see a girl underneath the man and he was leaning over her, covering her body and holding her down. And she said that she could not see the man's hands and she said that she could see the girl's legs and she was wearing a, a charcoal tracksuit bottoms and bright coloured runners. Now, Miss Stack said that the girl was kicking so hard and that she was strong, she said, and was doing scissors kicks and raising her legs really high. And Miss Stack shouted, get off her, in reference to the girl. And she claims that the man made a sudden move as if to frighten her and her friend. And Miss Stack then said that she and her friend ran away to get help to as fast as they could to get help. Now, defence barrister Michael Bowman, under cross-examination, put it to Miss Stack that Joseph Pushka was trying to assist Miss Murphy. And Miss Stack replied that that wasn't her impression and later added that the man could have asked us for help. So Mr Bowman also put it to Miss Stack that Mr Pushka could not make out what she was saying and that he did not intend to be aggressive. 
and what Miss Stack heard was Mr. Pushkin calling out in pain after his leg got caught in the briars. And Mr. Bowman also said that he had been instructed by his clients that Miss Murphy was holding Mr. Pushka's forearm because he was trying to stop the bleeding in her neck. And he asked her, you couldn't see that. And Miss Sack said no. And she then went into kind of more detail about what she could see. And she said that she knew there was something wrong. Uh, she said she could tell by, um, by the girl. And she claimed that he was holding her down, leaning over her. And she said that she saw enough to know she was kicking her legs completely distressed. Unreal. And then they, uh, because of those women, the Gardaí were alerted. And I know the Gardaí um, who arrived on the scene, bless their hearts, they did try to do CPR. They did try to resuscitate her because one of them thought that he felt a very faint pulse. That's right. I think, um, uh, Patricia, it would be prudent just um, to kind of issue a, a listener advisory warning because some of the evidence heard yesterday um, could potentially be quite distressing. So uh, we were, were you're referring there to um, two Gardaí. They are Garda Tom Dunn and Garda Shane Hunter, who were first the first Gardaí onto the scene. Now, they got a phone call from a man named Edna Malloy, who was the first person to see Ashing Murphy's body and um, he contacted Gardaí. So Garda Tom Dunn, he's the, he was the officer from Tullamore Garda Station who took that emergency call on the 12th of January at around half past three or 25 to four that afternoon. And he and his colleague, Shane Hunter, both went to the scene. They saw two cyclists. Uh, one of them was Enda Malloy and the other was a Polish man by the name of Janusz Wilko. And um, they said that... Um, they thought they were pointed in the direction of where there was a body of a woman. Now, Garda Dunn said that they both alternated applying chest compressions to the body as they had earlier thought there might have been a faint pulse. Now, the jury were also told that uh, there was a phone in a uh, jacket pocket of the woman. There was a stay at car key and a necklace around her neck with the word Ashling on it. And oh, I thought that was guard. really, I thought that was really, really poignant when I heard she had a little necklace on uh, with Ashling. And, and uh, of course, as we know, uh, paramedics arrived, but uh, they weren't able to uh, save her. Now, there was some very graphic evidence yesterday because obviously uh, you dealt with the, po- the post-mortem. And I don't think for the time of the day that we're, we're on, I'm, I'm conscious of little ears, uh, etc. So we, we won't really get into that, except just to ask you, Andrew, um, Ashley's family are in the court. It must be very difficult for them to be hearing some of this evidence. They are in the court. And, um, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago that um, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how they would have been keen for the trial to get underway, as would the family of Joseph Pushka. And uh, they were all present in the court yesterday hearing this evidence. Some of it very graphic and, you know, it just they heard that because they heard the cause of death. And we also heard in court um, yesterday, and this is accepted as fact by the defence, that um, Ashley Murphy um, had died, was uh, pronounced dead at around 5.51 on uh, the 12th of January. And her body was removed to... Um, the uh, moved to Tullamore region, or moved to Midlands Regional Hospital in Tullamore, and that it was her brother uh, Cahill who had formally identified her body. 
Wow, and then their nightmare uh, began. All right, Andrew, I'm conscious of the clock because I know you need to get back in um, because today uh, it is expected that the jury are going to be able to watch CCTV uh, footage. So today's evidence will be interesting as well. We'll speak again uh, next week, Andrew. In the meantime, thank you for that and and thank you for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, our court reporter at the Ashleen murder uh, trial. That is Andrew Louse. Now, business owners and homeowners in the East Cork town of Middleton fought back tears as the devastation wrecked by Storm Babette became apparent yesterday. Repair works are going to cost several million euro following what has been the worst flooding to hit the town in nearly a century. Almost 120 millimetres of rainfall. Now, that's more than a month's worth hit parts of Cork. That was in just in the space of 36 hours. Drainage systems unable to cope. Rivers and streams uh, bursting their banks. We're going to go to Middleton uh, this morning just to catch up with some of those business owners. I'm firstly joined by Eleanor Dunley. Eleanor owns uh, Lollipop Kids. It's a children's uh, shoe shop. Uh, good morning to Eleanor. Good morning. How are you? I'm. I, well, my first question. Don't ask how I oh, yeah, to that was my. I don't know. Yeah, it's. it's I don't know. It I is really know. difficult. I'm standing here now, looking out my window of my and my beautiful, beautiful shop, and contents gone in the space of the space of roughly thirty, fifteen, twenty minutes. It happened so quickly. Now, first of all, I just want to add: is the homeowners first and foremost come first here? I to go home last night to my lovely, cosy home. Whereas it's the people I'm thinking of now. I'm here in my shop. It can't be done no more. For, so I'm just looking if there's anybody needs help. I'm going. I'm here in the town to go. I'm just going up to one of the housing estates that a friend of mine is living in. So we'll see how we can help out there. But it's totally devastating here in Middleton. Nobody can. You have to walk the street to actually see it. Well, just even even just watching the TV film footage uh, last night, I, I don't think in all of my years of covering floods, and we've had many, many floods uh, in Cork, and watching film footage and visiting areas, I don't think I have ever seen anything no. like the destruction that occurred. I, I was here at five past one last Wednesday afternoon, and I, my husband rang me and he said, what's the story there? I said, yeah, it's OK. I said, you know, we're not doing OK. I said, you know what I might do? I might move my car, because I have an electric car. I move my car, I said, I might move it up a bit, because there's a small little bit of a puddle outside the door. Now, I literally move my car, we'll say, if you don't know Middleton, I'm, I'm we'll say, across, down the road from Motorwire Shoes, like, from yeah. two shops down. But I move my shop, we'll just say, 50 metres up the road. Took me 10 minutes max, we'll just say. Oh. And within 10 minutes, my shop was gone. That's, that's how hard this flood came. So I came in and I tried to salvage as much as I could put all the stock up as high in the shelves as I could do. And I left the shop. Literally, somebody told me, will you get out of the shop? It's very the end of the shop. The water was up to my waist this day. And I'm not a big person. I am a big person, but I'm not a tall person. But I left the shop and it was actually devastating. So when I came in the front yesterday morning to see what I saw, the shelves, the water pressure was so bad, my shelves had toppled over and all my stock was in on the floor. So no matter what, I, if I had gone away home at 11 o'clock, I'd have been better off. But anyway... Look, it's just—it's just totally devastating. And and the fact it's a it's a children's shoe shop, Eleanor. Uh, you know, and we're we're coming towards the end of October. Did you have your Christmas stock in? I had. I had just a delivery oh. a week ago of ten, eleven thousand. Oh. We put into a skip here yesterday. It's absolutely soul destroying. And all I'm looking for is for our town here is for the government, the powers that be. It's not a blame game. It's not about politics with me. It's about getting our town and our businesses up and running. I don't want to be not working. I've worked since I'm 12 years of age. I have never in my life asked anybody for anything. I went on my knees yesterday to Leo Vadgar 
when he visited my shop, and I have to say compliments to him. He came in and he, you know, he did, look, he just shook his head. What could he do? It's not, it's not a blame game and it's not a political game, but all I'm pleading and begging for is to hire the artists to give us as much help as we can get. That's all we need. I mean, the 10 million that has been announced, I think even listening to Leo Varadkar yesterday, I think he's already accepting that 10 million is not going to cover what has no, been lost. Well, it's not. It isn't. And look, at the end of the day, look, they can undo what they can do, but like at the end of the day, if this business needs to be open, they need to get it done fast. You know, there's no, I mean, we've got a busy season coming ahead for all the traders in our town, not just me, it's not about, it's not simply. Now, and the homes, again, I must stress that they come first, and it's the people in their homes, but look, it's business. Here we're talking about this morning, and all I can say is for all the business in town, what help we got yesterday is just, we have the most fantastic community I have ever witnessed anything in my life. People came, young children as small, children came in the doors, pulling stuff and doing the best they could. It was just, you know what, I actually went home last night and I thought, you know what, we have a, we have a great community. Yeah. And, you know, if we all stay strong, we will pull together if the government will step up. That's all right. And it's think. that community spirit, Eleanor, that mm-hmm. will stand to you. It and and that's what will drive, drive you all on. I mean, to ask... Just the calls from people that I'm receiving is just... Is above and beyond, and people have offered so much help and whatever. But there's nothing we can do here. My shop is gone. It's gutted. The stock is gone. I say it's a little. I say if some I won't lie. I'm not saying I didn't. I did save some stock, but what I I dumped it ten times more than I saved, which is so destroying. And this is such a small business. I have payment plans. That stock wasn't even mine to dump. I know. I, know. I got paid for it. You know. So I mean, where's the money going? You know. But look, we'll we'll salvage way through, and we'll just have to hope that the government will come up and give us the help that we need. Have you flooded before? I have. I've flooded about oh. 2000 and 2017. Now, with the flood, 2017 was nothing, I can guarantee you, like this. But you see, here in Middleton, it's a flood, flood disaster. We don't have flood cover. I have yeah, every you, other insurance. You, know, my, yeah, you can't shop, guess us, yeah. If my shop burnt down in the morning, I'd be covered. God forgive me, not, God forbid. I know, I know. I but know. I haven't flood cover. You know, it's just horrendous. And it, again, we've nothing. We're on our knees for whoever can help us. The whole place, the whole community is on its knees. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what's so devastating for Middleton, mm. the fact that it's it's a hundred businesses. It's every single business. It's not There's just one or two. Not yeah. Oh, no, yeah. the whole, you know, and the ones that aren't affected are coming out offering their help and support. Stay it's there because I want to I want to bring in another business owner. No this problem. is uh, this is Mark Kennedy. Uh, Mark um, runs uh, owns O'Farrell's uh, Butchers. Uh, no good, mor- good morning, Mark. Uh, hi, Patricia. It's actually Paul O'Neill, um, Mark's business partner in Oh, oh, sorry, uh, Paul. Uh, sorry, Paul. You, you, yeah, you're, you're, okay. you're, you're welcome. Um, I believe this shop has been in business for for seventy years. It has indeed. Has it, it has flooded indeed. before? Uh, never. 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 I was on to the owner. It was actually a family home as well here. Um, O'Farrell's family home was here. Um, we recently acquired the building two years ago um, and and took it over as ourselves. And no, never flooded. I was on to the owner yesterday um, and, and the family and never. So that will tell you how bad it was on Wednesday. Yes, yes. So talk to me about Wednesday. How did Wednesday unf- unfold for you with the butchers? Um, so I, on Wednesday, I was doing a delivery to a local business and they told me the car park was flooding down the back. My car was in the car park. I literally ran through two feet of water to get into my car to drive it out and rang the lads back in the shop and said, lads, I have to go home. Talk to my knees. Not knowing anything would happen on the main street, but I did say to the lads, lads I'd say, close up, there's nothing going to happen today. Um, I literally drove home, all of us went home, not thinking the front of the shop was 
was in too much danger. Um, and lo and behold, in the afternoon, an hour later, there was a flood running down the main street, but it was actually coming in the back of our shop, which it never had come in before. Um, so that was unheard of in the town. Whatever way, the river's bank burst to the back as well. And, and yeah. And, how, and how, how much damage did you do and how much have you lost? Oh, it's 30, 40, I, I, we don't even know. Like our fridges, uh, equipment, uh, our butcher counter, two fridges, two freezers, a dairy wall, a stock, like literally thousands. Like it's, I, I, I couldn't, I'm waiting on to find out even, but I, I couldn't even guess it at this stage, but I'd say 40,000 would be conservative, you know. And then it's how long it's going to take, Paul, to get back up and running? No way. We have the doors of the shop open. Have you? We're trying to fulfil a few orders that we do yeah. outside businesses just because like, we'll probably need them no more than ever, you know, and, and trying to fulfil these these customers, you know, maybe just even a little bit outside Middleton. Um, so, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We have one fridge working and we're kind of working from that. And but, because you haven't flooded before, Dare yeah. I ask, do you have flood insurance? Will we you thought we did. Um, it, on our policy, it says if it has never flooded before, you're covered. But when we when we rang initially, we were told that um, basically the whole of Middleton is a, a flood area. So oh, that's not fair. I, I, no, I, I, I thought it only kicked in once you've had a claim. Yeah, look, I don't know. I, my insurance company couldn't get me off the phone fast enough the other day, you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know what I mean? Just to say no and don't try. Look, we will be maybe look speaking to a solicitor or something about it. In our, in our, but look, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, day. I know. That's for yeah. another day. That's for another that's, day. That's, and that's and, right. and and I've been I've been speaking with uh, Eleanor Dunley, who's on the other line from Lollipop Kids. She yeah. was talking about the community spirit, and and I'm assuming you'd Unbe- back that up as well. Unbelievable, honestly, for people walking around with water sandwiches. Um, I messy buns had their place open yesterday with uh, cakes for everybody and coffee like no charge Lennox's they, they were handing out food like any place that was open was for the community you know there was people putting money in behind the counter in Lennox's for, for people to eat you know that were working yeah. like, um, uh, Cornerstone Pizza had up last night I, I don't know there was, I, I'm, I, I'm fairly sure it was him had a, a car driven down with boxes of pizza like the businesses the, the volunteers, the council, the, the local community, every business looking out for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every business looking and out for each other. That's yeah. what will get you back up um, and you know, running, Paul. Helping you dehumidifiers, anybody who had anything, mops, brushes, cloth, like you name it. If people had it, they, they, they helped each other out. You know, you couldn't, in, like that's the one thing about Middleton, since we're here, only, we're only here two years, they, they do support each other you know, through ticking indefinitely and, and we're right in the tick of it at the moment, you know. And they will support you going forward. I'll let you get back well, to no, work, Paul. Thank you. thank you for that. That's Paul O'Neill of uh, O'Farrell Butchers. I want to go to uh, Sinead Morrissey. Uh, Sinead is with uh, Bertelli uh, Menswear. Good morning, Sinead. Good morning. Okay, outline, uh, outline your shop and how much damage was done? Oh, it was it was catastrophic. Now, I've, I was somebody who was flooded in December 2015, so, like, the comparison, there's no comparison. 
Um, I, one of my, my fellow traders was just on before me there, and he's t- taken the point the community have been fantastic and everything else. So I'd like to just dwell on one of a new and a, another point, please. Okay. And this is that because I've been there, I was flooded nine years ago, and I was insured. And I was able to get back on my feet because I was insured. Okay? And to those out there, you will be okay. It is traumatic, but you will be okay because you are insured. But for those of us that are not insured, we're in a different league now. There's zero. There's there, there zero from the insurance companies. And the 5000 or the 20000 the government is offering will go nowhere near helping me. Yeah, It I- won't get me back on my feet. So, literally, we need a lot more. So, I would like to, to say... We do need to separate, and like every, we're all in this together too. But there is different levels out there, so there are. Yeah, um, I, 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 I thought it was interesting just talking with uh, Paul from O'Farrell Butchers. This is their first flood, and when they contacted yeah. the insurance company, thinking, well, you know, these were yeah. going to be okay for this one, the insurance company said, "Oh no, sorry, the whole town, of, uh, you, you can't get flood insurance in Middleton," and it was never pointed out to him before. I mean, he is going to go oh. le- legal on it because normally you get the first, and then you can't get insurance uh, exactly. after that. Yeah, I, exactly. So I was covered the last time, and I was in a, in a in a. I'm in one of the bad areas. Um, do you so know how I, I, much? I would push this. How, do you know how much damage? How much you've lost in stock and damage? I, I would think I've lost a hundred thousand. This this. I, I'm in menswear, and men get 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 fitted out for Christmas. It's it's you know it's it's our harvest. It's like a farmer. You sow your seed, and then we do our harvest this Christmas, December, November are my best. They're my best. That's where we make, that's where we, we, we cover the cost of the leaner months during the year. And right now I was at my, all of my stock was in. I literally had all of my stock in. And not, not, um, were so you able to save any of it? I was, we, we were able to save some of it. I have a lot of it that's wet. It's now, you know, literally I will have to just give it to charity or I will just have to, I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah, because once it goes into water and the, and once it the, and, into water and, and it's, it's mucky water, and mucky water too, and yeah. it, you know it literally. So that's why today is a critical day to, to decide what we're doing. But I would like to know what the government's doing so I know how I can make some decisions. So telling me that they're going to go to to the door next Tuesday and they're going to try and pass change the the, the Red Cross relief. Um, yeah, the humanitarian, the humanitarian. Yeah. They're going to try to get that, uh, to exceed the, the limits on that, but they're worried because that'll be the, the new level then from then on. Um, but I can't wait till next Tuesday. I know. We need to make, make decisions today. And like figures, figures, today. you know, the uh, you know initial figures of 5,000 uh, to help for immediate damage and a further 20,000, even allowing for those figures, they're not they're, anything near what you need to They're not Sinead. anything near it. I mean, for us to go and buy mops and... and and buckets yesterday, it was a 71 euro. One person came back because I was saying, keep your receipts. I was like, 71 euro on mops and, you know, for, for, for literally for nothing. So they don't realize it's, 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 that 5,000 won't go near putting a floor in. No. Okay. Well, All right. Never mind your stock. All right. Listen. But if we could just. Yeah. Thank you for listening. No, Thank that's, listening. that's okay. And, and, yeah, and uh, you know, lots of people thinking about uh, the people of Middleton and the other parts of uh, East Cork. It, it truly, truly is a devastation. It's, Listen, Sinead, um, stay well and, and hopefully you. your business will get back and up and running before long. And I, know no, the, a, and I know the people in Middleton will be out there in force will, to support were, you. They were wonderful yesterday. They were absolutely fantastic yesterday, I have to say. The worst situation brings out the best in people, I have to say. It does.
Yeah. All right. Listen, thank God you for bless. Listening. God thank bless. You. Take Bye-bye. care. That is uh, Sinead Morrissey of Bertelli uh, Men's, where your heart would absolutely break for those business owners who put so much uh, into their businesses and they care so much about them. Uh, it really is soul destroying for them. A Cork County Councillor expressing concern about the threat of more flooding in Middleton uh, this morning. The Director of Roads and Transportation, Niall Healy, says weather conditions in Middleton deteriorated, unfortunately, again overnight and uh, Niall joins me. Good morning to you, Niall. Good morning. Uh, uh, and you're welcome to the programme. There, unfortunately, a lot more uh, rain fell uh, overnight. Now, I know the yellow uh, weather warning for rain has now passed, but unfortunately, we did get a lot of rain. What areas are you most worried about this morning? Thanks, Patricia. Yes, a lot of rain fell overnight and a lot of localised heavy downpours as well, which were quite sporadic across the across the entire county, it has to be said. So I suppose Middleton remains our primary priority at the moment. Um, there's concerns there in relation to the woodlands, which is an estate in Middleton. Um, we had high tide there this morning and tidal movements have a particular impact on Middleton. So we had high tide this morning at half nine. Now, thankfully, the river didn't burst its banks at that point. We were conscious that the river level there is very, very high at the moment and uh, it remains a high risk area. Uh, and there's, I think, was it seven houses that flooded there over the last 48 hours. So again, those houses are, are still very much at, at high risk. Beyond that, um, there is flooding in Middleton. The river has burst its banks um, at Riverside Way and also at Mill Road. Now, that's causing uh, traffic difficulties. It's not impacting on properties as such, but it is impacting on, on traffic flows. In so the you, area. are you asking people to avoid Mill Road and Riverside Way? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there, you'll only get stuck in, in traffic congestion and tailbacks if you try and make your way through there at the moment because the road has been blocked. It, it's now impassable. And and the people in in that estate that you mentioned, you know, uh, Woodland Estate, uh, can they get? Are you getting sandbags into them? Is there anything can be done for them? Yeah, there is. Uh, to be fair, we alerted them as soon as we became worried this morning. So very early before day broke, there was door to door calls made with the assistance of the Gardaí just to put people on alert. So yes, some of the properties had uh, sandbags from previous days. Uh, and we're um, sourcing sandbags from across the county, actually, at the moment, from North Cork, from Skibbereen even, to bring to the greater Middleton area, because Middleton remains our, our greatest concern at the moment. Uh, and while the main street area isn't a high-risk area, it's still somewhat at risk over the next couple of days. Um, so... And so particularly with all is definitely the focus, the, uh, with with all of the the clean up work that is going on, it's it's probably the last thing uh, they need. All of your crews, uh, Nile, all out and about this morning again. All out and about, yeah. They've or people have been working really since Tuesday morning, and have been working flat out since then, um, and having very very short breaks before they start. You know, busy days again. So I'd like to, I suppose, pay a particular tribute to all the emergency services, uh, to the council crews, the Gardaí, the fire service, the defence force have been of huge assistance to us in Middleton, civil defence, Red Cross, Coast Guard. Um, we've had fantastic support and collaboration across all those agencies. 
and a special word to CCAD, the local development company in East Cork, who have been excellent as well. Well done. Well um, done. Will it be some time, Niall, before, from a council's point of view, where you'll be able to assess the amount of damage done to roads? There's a lot of damage done to roads. It will, that will take us a number of weeks, Patricia, to get a proper handle on situations. And, you know, we've started into that exercise in, in parts of the county already. Um, obviously, it's only when water levels uh, um, recede somewhat that we'll be able to tell the true extent of the damage. And particularly when it comes to roads, we've seen some roads that have literally been washed away or that have subsided or, or collapsed. Uh, so that's going to require complete reconstruction of some sections of road and that applies across the the county and even the rainfall overnight uh, I think there's 36 millimetres of rain that fell in Moor Park outside Formoy that's a lot of rain to fall in a 24 hour period on top of surface water levels that are already elevated Uh, so we are seeing flooding now in in quite a number of areas in North Cork in Charleville, in Cantork outside Mallow um, and Cove in, in East Cork as well were aware of particular issues there. So yes, it's going to be quite an extensive repair bill. Uh, our job of work over the next two weeks now will be to identify all of the locations where road repairs and road reconstruction is required. Uh, we'll have to assess the condition of bridges as well because the raging river waters obviously have had an impact on the structures of some of our bridges and we won't know the full extent of that until river levels reduce a bit but um, we will be putting together a, a submission to government for funding for emergency funding yeah. to yeah. carry out these repairs. Absolutely I know um, and rightly so the Taoiseach was talking about businesses and homeowners yesterday but I, I, I did mention it yesterday the council are definitely going to need uh, additional funds for the amount of repair work that's going to be needed. Listen uh, Niall I appreciate uh, how busy you are so I do t- thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us today. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks okay. for that. Bye, bye, bye. And please, to the people of Middleton, stay safe and uh, stay dry. That is uh, Niall uh, Healy, Director of Roads and Transportation at Cork County Council. Just a couple of updates. The the Ballet Road in Carrigaline is now impassable due to flood waters. So please uh, take an alternative uh, route. And if you are out and about and you spot something, can you let us know so that we can pass it on to other listeners to make them stop a journey or get them to take an alternative route? Some has already been on to say when you get the information and the news out that the Carrigohan Strait is very flooded this morning uh, this texter says there's a very small sign but the sign is too small it's at the traffic lights but it's been moved onto the Balancholic side so cars are not seeing it and they end up driving up the Carrigohan Strait come to the flood and they have to turn around halfway and head back so it's causing a bit of consternation so avoid the Carrigohan Strait because it is quite flooded we are getting reports in of flooding in and Turk. Um, motorists are asked uh, no matter where you're driving today uh, to please be extremely careful um, and if you don't drive avoid driving through flowing or standing water exercise extreme caution and also can you please please be conscious of vulnerable road users such as cyclists and pedestrians we've been getting calls in all week of pedestrians in particular getting absolutely soaked on the footpath because a lot of the you know the, you get big locks of water just 
just beside the footpath and cars just ploughing through. Uh, just be aware of people walking on the footpaths, please. 0818 103 103. Jim lives in uh, Middleton and he joins me. Good morning to, to you, Jim. Morning, morning Patricia. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, uh, thank you. Firstly, how are you? Are you in an area that flooded? Are you all okay? Well, I'm, I'm very lucky where I am, Patricia. Clearcoon is a fairly big estate just outside Middleton, and we are in a, in a, in a part of a called the Meadows. And I must say, the people living in the Meadows were absolutely outstanding on winter. They were up and down the road making sure that elderly people in particular, like myself, and, that's, and I've... I have no no shame in saying maybe eighty three years of age, thank God. Okay, and, well done. And and they were there and they came along. They want to hand what they want to do, and one person came along and um, made sure that there was sandbags for donuts in front of the back of the house and gave assistance herself. And she was only a young person, but look, the whole estate, Patricia, were brilliant. One or two of the houses at the bottom of the estate got a very, very, very bad doing. I must say that. But, was that um, the was that the estate where there was videos going around of the water? All that was further that was further out. That for, was further out near the road. Okay, uh, that was that was out near the crash. And the and water was literally flowing through the houses. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. But the people there was, there was people down at the crash, and they were standing at the crash, and I said the water was up to their waist, and they had children on the wall putting them up onto their shoulders uh, to get them out. And a couple oh, yeah. of lads here, I was I was watching and I laughed when I saw it. They came down the road with a canoe and got it down to the school and brought the kids out of the school up to the up to the best part of the road that they could to make sure that they were safe going home. Do you know, and I said it yesterday, Jim, we were very lucky here in Cork that no lives were lost. We were, we were. Well, Patricia, listen, it was a yellow, it was a, 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 an, an orange, orange warning yeah. on Tuesday night. Yeah. Why did they not uh, upgrade it to red? I think the, I think a lot of questions have to be and have to be asked on that. Why was it not upgraded to red? If if it didn't turn out to be red after, no harm done. They erred on the side of caution. Yeah, I, listen, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And we had we had Alan O'Reilly from Carlow Weather who made yeah. the point that Cork is such a big county; it's impossible to give a weather warning that's going to be the same for East Cork, North Cork, and West Cork. Is, so yeah, why is, not yeah. break it up into individual regions? Because very obviously. East Cork yeah. should have been a red warning and a red warning would have meant that schools and various other businesses and services would have closed keeping yeah. every, everybody safe and I think that that's what Miss Aaron now need to do. They need to look at how they give out these weather warnings but we, we are too big here in Cork to be under one weather warning because obviously North Cork parts of North Cork an orange even a yellow weather warning would have been fine because they didn't get as much rain but the same yeah. couldn't be said for your good selves in, in Middleton yeah. it's, it's as, as I'm talking you know if you don't mind me butting in I'm just watching people there and there's six people come up the road with sandbags that they're not picking up down, 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 down towards the town center because uh, the the council are issuing sand this morning and there's men around here watching now again with it, with it, with it head and they have sandbags making sure that every house is, is, is in, in the area is is um, covered. So, so did you need sandbags in your house, Jim? I did. 
I did. Yeah, well, look, I, I had sandbags also at our front door, and we have, we have a conservatory at the back, which was uh, which was fairly uh, the wall was fairly high there, but we got sandbags on that, and we were saved. But right. look, um, and you, but, you, but you're under risk again today. Oh, we are. We are. Yes, and and, and, we're, and we're just watching it, and uh, this part of the tunnel you still can't get into. Okay, but you just want to say well done to all. I want to say a special well done and a thank you to all the people who 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 did something and anything to help people around the place. I mean, there was, there was one lady here, and I suppose I noticed her a couple of times, and she started chatting to me, and she was up and down, and she said, "All I'm doing is walking around, seeing people at door, asking them are they okay, do they want anything that can be done, and we get it done." and uh, I mean, that's that's what that's what it was all about. That's community and then, and then, and then there was a, and then there was another girl came down, and uh, she said, "There's a lot of water thrown into your back." And she had a quick one, and she said, "We better put something up there." And she she barricaded the back door, and she she says to me, "Go in and come out, come out the back door, and make sure the door is locked from the inside," which I did. And she barricaded it from the outside, and she says, "Don't even open the door," she says, "until the water is gone down." And did you know who that person was? Or I, I eventually did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people are great. People are great. Yeah, because, yeah. But because we, we had a call in this morning from James, who lives in Churchtown South. Uh, yeah. They, and and he, did, they, he didn't have a flood event yesterday, but he heard what was going on. He went to me immediately to Middleton to help out. He got yeah. hold of a brush and a shovel and he said he stayed there all day working. He saw youngsters from the local schools helping out. He said some of them were in tears. They'd never seen anything like it uh, yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. back off again and he's going to spend the day there again today. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. People are great. OK, yeah. listen, you look after yourself, uh, Jim, and stay dry. Yeah, and thanks for taking the call. That's and, our and, pleasure. And just say that how 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 we appreciate what has been done in the estate. Okay, well done. And and, and last word, just morning in a van with sandbags handing out to houses that are needed. Anyone that needs it, all right. As, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm talking, you know, I'm watching them handing them into houses around the place. Brilliant. Okay, all Jim, right. t- stay oh, safe, stay dry. It will, it will, please God. Mind yourself, take yeah, care. Bye. That's Jim, uh, a resident in uh, Middleton. Uh, another Jim by text saying, Patricia, I heard Patrick O'Donovan on uh, the TV last night and the presenter asked why would there was no flood relief had been carried out in Middleton since the last flooding and it was promised in 2015 and if my memory serves me right we were told in 2015 that the flood relief system would be in place within five years. Anyway, Patrick Donovan started to explain that it was going through the planning process and that everything had to be right because if the planning process wasn't right there would be objections and it all takes uh, so long uh, but he did admit that something needs to be done to speed it up uh, and that led Jim to start thinking why would anyone object certainly nobody in Middleton would object to planning for flood relief because everybody knows if they put flood relief in place it will stop their town uh, flooding it has been hugely successful in Mallow and Formoy. Jim says my heart goes out to the people in uh, Middleton and uh, Jim says they will certainly need more than the 10 million that has now been allocated by the uh, uh, government and and that is the uh, initial money that has been allocated for homes and businesses affected by uh, flooding. Uh, but remember, it's 10 million, not just for Middleton, it's for all of the other areas. So they're definitely going to need uh, uh, more. And what we're hearing is it's 
It initially consists of 5,000 to help with the immediate damage. They need to make that money available today. Uh, one of our previous callers said that they need the money. They need it uh, now. And then there's a further 20,000 will be available after that. But they're certainly going to need um, a lot more than... Um, 25,000 euro when you hear about business owners, you know, telling us that they've already lost 100,000 and these are business owners who do not have insurance. And when that was put to Leo Varadkar uh, yesterday, uh, he did say when he was asked how much would be uh, available, he did say that this 10 million that they've announced yesterday, that's an initial allocation to help families and uh, businesses. He's also including clubs and voluntary organisations. He says it's not capped at 10 million and that is the initial allocation. So hopefully that will come as some comfort uh, to the people who are today battling, trying to do the clean-up uh, and then sitting there doing the clean-up with under the threat that it could flood uh, again. God help them. 0818 103 103. Somebody says, I feel so sorry for the people of Middleton. Even that €5,000 as an immediate uh, help is derisory. It will barely pay for the skips that a lot of the businesses will need. Mick wants to point out that one thing he noticed yesterday when he was watching it on the TV, it struck him, it's no wonder RTE are broke. Why do they need to send two reporters to uh, Middleton? Pascal Sheehy is there. He's their local reporter, does a great job here in the South. Why did they need to send another reporter from Dublin? Makes absolutely no sense at all to make. 0818 103 103. Just been told that the roads, that the Ban, Ban Duff Road from Mayfield, that uh, still remains closed. That's the Bandoff Road near Mayfield remains uh, closed. And then on a completely different uh, topic, this is on farm payments. The listener says, hi, the disaster that is now unfolding with farm payments will bankrupt some small farmers. Thousands are, are already have already seen delayed payments and now we're being told there will be further delays and nobody seems to be able to get a straight answer. When you pick up the phone to try to find out what's going on, you're just getting through to a call centre. The department has broken the protocol whereby they agreed to issue letters to problem cases. No letters, no payments. They're just fobbing people off. My God, what has gone wrong? Says this and I'm assuming that's somebody who is a farmer uh, themselves. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Bandon Kitchens, they've got a vacancy for an apprenticed cabinet maker. Now you need to have good English and your own transport would be an advantage. See fees please to info at bandonkitchens.ie. Sales assistant wanted for super value. That's in the Riverside Shopping Centre in Bandon. CVs to Nicole O'Driscoll at musgraves.ie. Personal healthcare assistant required for the Irish Wheelchair Association in Clonakilty. Please apply online to iwa.ie forward slash careers. And an experienced stonemason is required for the River Stick and West Cork areas 87 You'll find all the details on those job vacancies and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. 
Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, has been branded a disgrace by furious members of Cork County Council after they were told the Minister's diary is too full to meet with councillors to discuss decisions made on road developments in the area. With his views on all of this, uh, Fianna Gael uh, councillor for North Cork, uh, Tony O'Shea, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, Patricia. Um, and, and firstly, um, you know, obviously we've been dealing with what's going to be going on in East Cork and in particular in Middleton uh, with all the floods. And I had the Director of Roads and Transportation, uh, Niall Healy, on with me, a man no doubt you know uh, very well. And I, I was putting it to him, uh, Tony, I mean, outside of the devastation that's happened to businesses and homeowners and, you know, we had the down saying there'll be humanitarian funds open and there'll be money uh, available. It's got to be now widely accepted that Cork County Council are going to need a huge chunk of money following the damage that has been done to roads as a result of of Storm Beta. Absolutely, Patricia. I happened to be in Middleton yesterday myself. Um, As you know, I work for Cock County Council during the day, so I was down there yesterday with a road sweeper and the devastation there was uh, unbelievable. The main street was a sea of skips, industrial loaders, loading furniture, clothing, you name it, into the skips. Uh, It was just horrifying to see. Um, my heart goes out to every single uh, business owner, uh, residents uh, that have been affected. It's just turmoil down there at the moment. Yeah, watching it on the TV, it's it, it you know it struck me at one stage. It it was like watching a disaster from another other countries. You know when we've watched tsunamis and earthquakes, and and there was a sense of my goodness, this is we've never witnessed scenes like we were witnessing in in Middleton. And thankfully, and I've been mentioning it for the last uh, couple of days, no lives uh, were lost. But it's no. so hard for people picking up the pieces after this, particularly those that we've been talking to this morning who don't have any insurance cover. No, and that's the the whole worrying thing about it. And this is why the. It needs to be fast-tracked to, to put the flood, uh, the flood defence forces in place uh, for the likes of Middleton. The uh, own Coral River was still very high yesterday when I leave it yesterday evening, Patricia. And I'm hearing this morning that it is uh, on the brink of bursting its bank again, so they're on high alert down there. We in Norcock had a, a, a very uh, had a lot of rain last night. Um, places are just saturated, fields are saturated. Uh, can't take any more, so anything that's falling is just going straight to the rivers. But thankfully, Tramoy and Mallow have their flood defence systems in place. Yes, and we can be thankful for that. And it's, it's a great system, uh, Patricia and Mallow, or Ma- or in, in Mallow and Tramoy. Uh, both towns will never again flood. Um, it's well protected by, def- by the defence uh, forces that we have in place. Um, get them up in time and protect the businesses and residents of Mallowtown and from my town. So they but, are, they do work. We need to, the government need to fast track it. Yeah. Uh, they, had, they had a flood back in 2014, was it 2011, 2014? Um, and it's been going on since. There's, yeah, and they were, pr- and after, some, after the 2014 one, uh, nine years ago, they were promised the following year in 2015 that it would be built within five years. We're now at 2023. We're eight years on from the promise that it would be built in, in five years and, and it's still going through the planning process. It's still going through the planning process. Uh, that's what Minister O'Donnell was saying yesterday. So, um, look, it needs to be fast-tracked somehow now, Patricia, because the people of Middleton cannot sustain 
uh, and the worry, even the worry last night. I can imagine most of them didn't sleep. No, I know no. all those shop premises. There was wind is blowing in, Patricia. It was just, it was pure devastation down there yesterday. Your heart would go out to them. Yeah, and then the damage that has been done to our roads. Um, I, I mean, uh, when I asked uh, Niall Healy from uh, the director of roads, he, he said like it's too early yet to assess the damage, but there's a lot of roads when uh, are very badly damaged from having that amount of water on them. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the bill for roads alone, and not to mind the businesses and residents, and the damage that's done down in Middleton and and other towns and villages, it's going to be colossal for County Cork. Colossal. And there's no insight uh, to this, uh, Patricia. This is what we're facing. Uh, we might have a dry few days. Our summer has been bad. It's been raining with a while. Uh, ground is saturated. So it's just, it's it's a nightmare for the people of Middleton thinking that they'll put their business back together again. Uh, and the fear and the worry of this happening again. Yeah, and for and for homeowners, for homeowners uh, as well. uh, You know, and listening to you, Tony, it makes absolutely no financial sense not to fast track all of these flood defence systems because if they were in place, they ultimately save tens of millions of euro that are going to have to be spent putting those shops back, putting those homes back, repairing all of the roads and then they'll all be done and is you know, when when does the next storm arrive and are, are we back having this conversation again? So from a financial point of view, it makes no sense not to fast track them. Absolutely not, Patricia. Uh, as you say yourself, look, by the time they've uh, put all this, the, this, these funds in place to help out the businesses, the residents. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, how many, this is the second time they have no insurance. No one, I believe, has no has any... Uh, insurance in the main street, any business. So it makes no sense. I mean, the government are putting a fund in place to give to the businesses to help them restart uh, or start back up again. It should be going into the, absolutely, they need helping out to start their business back up again, Patricia. But as you say yourself, putting this money after money after money to repair roads, 
to get businesses to repair town, get businesses back up and running, they have to put it into the flood defence. It's just, it's it's false economy. Now, let me go to the topic that we've invited you to speak about uh, today. And this was a request from the Northern Division of Cork County Council. You wrote to the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, says, look, Mr. Ryan, we'd love, we'd love to meet, to meet with you. Now, uh, and he, he, someone from his department came back and said, sorry, his diary is too busy. Did you ask for a particular day and time to meet the Minister? Or was your invitation pretty open-ended? No, it was open-ended. Uh, it was our third time writing to them, uh, writing to Minister Ryan uh, Patricia. We wrote him in, in April. We wrote him in May. Got no response from those two letters. We wrote him again in um, July, and we got a response back the 19th of September, and the response was, as what you uh, said, that his diary was too full uh, to meet with us. Um, uh, he just cannot arrange a time at the moment. So isn't, and isn't that insulting that it took three letters and you didn't even get a, a communication from the first two? That's it. It was a motion of mine, uh, Patricia, in April. I had a second motion in May because we hadn't heard back. And eventually a third motion went in uh, in July and we eventually got a response back saying that uh, on behalf of the Minister of Transport, Eamon Ryan TD, I wish to thank you for your meeting request concerning funding for the Mallory Relief Road. Unfortunately, due to the Minister's current diary schedule, I cannot arrange a meeting. How can his diary be that full? I know, I know he's a minister, I know he's a busy man, but like, I mean, how much time w- would the meeting take? All we want is for a half an hour, Patricia, and the whole crux of this, Patricia, is that he, he it's because of Minister Ryan's direct intervention. He issued a Section 24, a Section 24 letter to TII instructing them not to fund the Mallow Relief Road. We want to know why. Uh, Colum, Colum, Deputy Colin Burke and Deputy Stanton have both uh, put down um, parliamentary questions. Uh, one of the answers he got back was he was funding no new projects. Uh, Mallow Relief Road is not a new project. Mallow Relief Road has been on the table and spoken about for the last 15 to 20 years. So it's not, we cannot accept it. Um, and we will not accept it. And this Section 24 lost, directive... Sorry, Tony, this Section uh, 24 directive to TII means what? That you just halt? You're doing nothing? Absolutely. He he allocated, Carcount Council and TII requested 1.4 million, uh, Patricia. We had been making progress on the Mallow Relief Road. Yeah. The route route and all is identified and we wanted to bring it to planning stage. So we requested 1.4 million to bring it to planning stage. After that, Patricia, when it goes through the planning process, we're then looking for funding to, for the actual road itself. But he stalled us this year uh, by allocating 100,000 euros instead of 1.4 million. So he might as well give nothing because 100,000 euros would do nothing. We need 1.4 million. And was there any re- any reasons given to TII? No, I, I, we, I have asked for the letter, a copy of the Section 24 letter that was issued to TII. I'm still waiting for it. We have never seen the Section 24. Uh, this is what we have been told. This is what the Executive of Cork County Council have told us, that there was a Section 24 letter that came from Minister Ryan's department uh, to, to stop funding the Mallow Relief Road. What has Eamon so Ryan got know. against the good people of Mallow? That's what I want to know, Patricia. I would love to know it because we have a town that's gridlocked seven days a week now. I went downtown last Sunday uh, at three o'clock and there was a backlog up to Main Street. 
and we can we as Clark County Council can only do so much like at the end of the day here Patricia Mallowtown is expanding thankfully we have the sewer and all uh, done and we can expand our town now but we need the town itself needs the uh, relief road um, to stop this traffic congestion on a daily basis you can actually uh, understand I, why, and, 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 and I hate to say it, but we do get calls and texts in from listeners who say people who from the hint, from outside of Mallow who would in the past have come to Mallow to do their shopping and they say they avoid it. They're going to some of the other towns instead because it's just not worth the hassle with uh, being yeah. stuck in traffic. And that's, that's not and fair on the business owners. It's not really. And like Mallow is a lovely town, does some fabulous shops there. Um, it's just unfair, really, and I do get a lot of it uh, on my social media, Patricia, uh, saying just no, no business into Marathon. I'm not going to be sitting in my car for 20 minutes going down the main street. Uh, so it's just a pity, and I know of businesses. It's probably, it's probably a big bear in, in any new business opening up in Marathon as well, Patricia. Yeah, and for pe- and for people, it's, you know, I I put myself into it for my good self, uh, the, the, who lives in the town of Mallard. Trying this morning, I had to get from one side of the town because uh, I was I was dropping off um, the small one, so I had to get from one side of the town to the other side of the town. And my God, it must have in in total a journey that should take five minutes. It took me twenty five minutes, and I, and I know I was in the midst of all of the school runs and all of that, but it was just bedlam. No matter what way uh, you uh, d- d- decided to go, and also there is a, a health issue in all of this because I saw a report on uh, air quality um, since the bypass in McCroom, and it's shown a major improvement in air quality in the town of McCroom since they got their bypass. And God knows the good people of McCroom needed their their bypass. So uh, for people in Mallow. This is a health issue as well. Absolutely, Patricia. I mean, like when you have that volume of traffic going down our main street of Mallow, it is, of course, all those fumes. And like as you say yourself, McCroom has improved tenfold with uh, emissions going down through the town. Uh, I do know that Cock County Council have carried out um, uh, those toxic emissions tests. Yeah. One was located on Bridge Street. Um, we have received the results, but I can't follow it, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we, we, but it'll, it'll be up for discussion at our next roads yeah. meeting uh, to see as it. And, and, and as you say, you just want to sit down with the minister to say, you know, eyeball to eyeball, why are you stopping the Mallow bypass? It's it's a, you know it's a, it's a simple enough question that you want yeah. answers. And, and, Here are the reasons why. Give give me the reasons why. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it was his direct uh, intervention, Patricia. Like, he okay, just, his department issued the section twenty four letter to TIA not to fund to the Mallow Relief Road. Can you go over his so, head and go to the Taoiseach and the Tarnish, We have met with uh, the Taoiseach. We have, well, I have met with the Taoiseach, um, and the Taoiseach understands my frustration and our frustration, the people of Mallow. Um, we have also met with uh, Minister Simon Coveney, and he knows that it's top priority uh, for Narcock. Um, so they do know our concerns. They do. They can feel our frustration. Uh, we're getting all public reps are getting in the neck as far as uh, congestion in Mallow is concerned. Uh, as I say, it's seven days a week. Yeah. And then, and then yesterday, uh, Patricia, I heard this. Uh, Mr. Minister Ryan is in town. This is in Cox City this weekend. Oh, so he's even local. So, so you, ah, uh, and he can, he can't schedule a fifteen-minute meeting because his diary is so busy. Well, I have I have asked, I, I have issued a press release this morning looking for Minister Ryan uh, to make contact, um, and I have offered uh, uh, us councillors, us public reps in Mallow, will go to Cock to meet him. You'll go anywhere to meet uh, him. 
are, are he's very welcome down tomorrow to see all good luck. Town. Good luck Simple with that. Sense. Good luck with that. <laughs> all right, listen, uh, Tony. We, yeah, go on. Yeah, but we we need answers to this yeah. as to why he stopped funding you, Patricia. Um, we have lost twenty twenty three. At the end of this year, we should be ready for to apply for funding. Yeah, that's what that so had been the plan. Was delayed it by another twelve months, and <sighs> we were making great progress. We had uh, we had a lot done, uh, root and all identified, and. The main thing about us, uh, Patricia, is that we had incorporated all the active travel measures on it as well. So uh, it makes no sense. Absolutely no. zero OK, sense. keep us informed of any progress, uh, Tony. Um, but thank you for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Fine Gael, uh, Councillor for North Cork, Tony O'Shea. John and Clonakilty says, uh, Patricia, uh, tell the North Cork Division councillors that Minister Eamon Ryan will have plenty of time on his hands and in on his diary from 2025 after the next general election. He'll be able to meet people anywhere. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. I'm um, starting to get reports in that there's flooding in uh, Killa. Somebody sent us in a, a video a clip. Cars seem to be getting through, but it is flooding in Killa, just to make people aware of that. And also from the Cork traffic uh, reports, there's a vehicle on fire on the N25. That's between Killa and Castle Martyr. And if you're planning on travelling on that route, people are asked to take care on approach. That's between Killa and Castle Martyr. Uh, reports of a vehicle on fire. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we imagine a world with no litter and where everyone feels pride in their local area. This is the aim of the Picker Pals programme, which was launched this week in Cork. Over 600 children are being given the opportunity to take part in this environmental educational programme that sees children take to the streets with their litter pickers to make the world better. Angela Kenny is the programme manager of Picker Pals. Picker Pals is a primary school programme for first and second class kids. We also have a lot of special classes across the school uh, involved with us. And it is an environmental programme. It's a litter picking programme to introduce young children to the concept of environmental stewardship and giving them a really easy way to get involved in looking after their, their local environment. The Picker Pals programme enables children to get directly involved in environmental action through regular litter picking. This is our third year, thanks uh, to the support of Cork City Council, um, their anti-dumping initiative there, and also we've got funding from the Department of the Environment, Climate and Communications. So we're really excited to launch the programme again with... uh, over, we'll have about 600 children directly funded by Cork City Council taking part, about 1,200 children all across the, the city taking part in the programme this year. So we will be sending picker packs out to the various classrooms who've signed up to the programme. And in the picker pack, they get a litter picking bag with some litter picking kit. Uh, they get books and they get um, fun books to go along with that. And their whole classroom takes part in the programme. So the idea is that the children take turns they bring the pack home and they go litter picking with their families at the weekend. So it's an activity that they're learning about in school, but then at the weekends they get to bring the pack home and do some action, you know, get out into their environment um, and start picking up litter in their own local environment. And it's a really great way to kind of teach children by doing 
um, it's a great way to involve families that may not otherwise be involved in this kind of activity. Um, and quite often kids will bring along siblings as well. So we're making a whole uh, family day out, or not day out, but a whole family activity um, around litter picking. And it's having great spin-off effects in terms of changing behaviour about littering itself, but also about kind of raising awareness of the amount of uh, resources and waste that families themselves generate. And it, it's a great conversation starter within the home and within the classroom. So we're really excited to have nearly 3,500 kids all across Cork. Um, so that's about 1,200 in the city and about another 2,500 uh, in the wider county. And then we're also a national programme. So we had about 30,000 children take part last year and we're looking to have the same kind of numbers taking part this year. So we're trying to build a whole community of um, picker pals all across Ireland for whom littering just is an absolute no-no for them going forward in the future. They, they, they learn about the direct impacts of the danger of litter and crucially we're kind of showing them how they can get involved um, and how they can have fun getting involved in this kind of activity. The world faces a global crisis of waste in the environment. Every part of the natural world is affected. We urgently need to find real practical solutions to this crisis. So how bad is the litter issue in Ireland? I mean, it's an ongoing national problem. Ireland produces 14 million tonnes of waste every year. We're, we're probably we're up there across the EU. We're one of the countries who produce the most amount of waste. Now, that's all waste that's going into our bins and being collected in our bins but a, a proportion of that ends up on our streets we have a there's a national uh, litter monitoring program that happens every year they reckon that about 60 percent of all towns and cities across ireland are polluted to some degree or other that they, they use the term polluting for litter and um, 60 percent of them are slightly polluted which you know that that's the kind of target that we want to get the kids involved in we're, we're not asking seven and eight-year-old children to uh, tidy up litter black spots. But we'll all know from going out into our local areas that there are certain parts that are littered. And we want to just get to raise people's awareness around this issue and to see that litter. And we feel that by getting people out, doing a small amount, we don't put a huge amount of focus on kids picking up huge amounts of litter. You know, these are young children. We're, we're getting them uh, involved in this kind of activity. So they're picking up small amounts of litter bringing their families along, bringing their communities along, and that hopefully that will lead us to just reducing that amount of kind of acceptable litter across our towns and villages and cities in Ireland um, and, and eradicate that, that occurrence because it is a big problem uh, all across the country. It affects all of our towns and cities, which is why we're trying to operate this programme nationally because it really is an issue that affects everybody across the country. Um, so, yeah, it is an ongoing problem for years. To learn more about Picker Pals, visit Voice Ireland or Picker Pals online or check the show notes of this episode. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info.
Uh, Deputy Michael Healy Ray has been on to us. By the way, uh, Deputy Michael Healy Ray was due to be on the programme today, but we had to cancel him and uh, we'll talk to him instead on Monday because obviously we were, uh, we wanted to focus on what was happening in East Cork and in particular in the town of uh, Middleton. But he just got back on to say that he wants to pass on, he's been listening to the programme and he wants to pass on his best wishes to all of the people in Middleton and, and, and indeed across East Cork and the wider uh, area, anyone who was uh, suffering from flooding uh, this week. He said people need to stay resilient and tough and keep fighting back. But he said thoughts are very much with the people of Cork from Kerry this morning, which is a rather nice um, comment to make. So thank you uh, to that and we look forward to speaking with Michael on the programme. He's on about learner drivers. So if you've got any a learner driver in your household, you'll be interested to hear what Michael has to say on uh, Monday. Staying on flooding, Alan in Ballynose says the government needs to use that rainy day fund that they're all was talking about. They need to use it for the people of Middleton. They do because it's certainly raining down on them at uh, the moment. Dan says, Patricia, would it not be a good idea to open a nationwide GoFundMe page to help the people who were flooded this week? I'm sure people would would contribute. We're very good at doing things like that. Whenever there's any kind of a crisis, we are an extremely generous nation and we've shown that time and time again, going back as far as Live Aid when per head of population we donate at the most money of any country around the world. So, yeah, we certainly are good. And I think, yeah, I think certainly watching those, the TV footage last night, you, you certainly, your heart would go out and if you had any spare cash, you'd want to give it to help those uh, people. How would others feel about a nationwide GoFundMe page? Or do we leave it up to the government and make sure that they they have the money uh, available? As somebody said, open up the rainy day fund and give it to the people who've been absolutely devastated this week with flooding. And then variety of comments in listening to my interview with Councillor Tony O'Shea. Tony joined us on behalf of the Northern Division of Cork County Council. It took three letters to the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan asking would he meet with the councillors from the North Cork Division of Cork County Council. Just they want to ask him eyeball to eyeball uh, why is he so against the um, roundabout that is so badly needed the ring road sorry that's so badly needed for the town of Mallow and why did he stop it in its uh, tracks and they finally got an answer after the third letter first two nothing back after the first two letters third letter nice polite letter saying sorry his diary is simply too uh, busy Finbar and Bantry says Patricia it's plain to see that Minister Eamon Ryan can do as he pleases do you know why Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil are afraid they won't they are afraid to rock the boat because he's keeping them in power so they'll agree to anything he wants to do at the moment that is Fimbar's thought on it Dennis says the Green Party are holding an event in Cork City Hotel this weekend so Eamon Ryan is in Cork yeah uh, Tony found out I didn't realise it was a Green Party event but he's only found out this week that he's going to be in Cork so they are trying to track him down maybe they should doorstep him maybe they should just find out because if, if it is a Green Party event it'd be an open public event maybe the councillors should go en masse and wait, find out what time he's due to arrive and be there. And uh, even if they could get five minutes with him, just to try and get an answer uh, from him. Morris says that will teach people not to vote green. Let Eamon Ryan go home and set vegetables in his window boxes. Remember when he suggested that at the start of uh, COVID, that we could all be growing lettuces in, in a window box. <laughs> I just, yeah, I do remember that. OK, more not a fan of, of Eamon Ryan, certainly not a fan of the Green uh, Party. Hi, Patricia. Hearing what councillors had to say about Eamon Ryan as the Transport Minister, surely as a Transport Minister, he is just not doing his job correctly. He seems to be only interested in vehicles that have 
two wheels, i.e. a bicycle. We will be back in the dark days if he, and the dark ages if he gets his way. It's simply outrageous, said Heidi, who also wants to add, when I keep trying to fly the flag for Cork County Council to get extra funding for the roads following all the flooding at this week, Heidi wants to point out our roads were in a bad shape before this the latest flooding of this week and, and you are right there were some areas where already they're now worse so they're certainly worse if they got a lot of water on them um, what else is coming into us on Michael Collins oh uh, oh, it's happening now isn't it we spoke about this yesterday the unveiling of the Michael Collins statue this is the it's over life size, size uh, listening to Tim Crowley yesterday it's him it's Michael Collins with the bicycle and it's going to be on the Grand Parade I can't wait to get to the city I have to say to see it I've seen photographs uh, of it and it looks absolutely stunning uh, so Jim and Clan, I'm assuming he was listening to us yesterday talk about the statue being unveiled uh, in Cork City but uh, and we, we mentioned his funeral because we mentioned his the funeral cortege that would have passed that area where the statue is going to be and that's prompted Jim to say and and I'd like the answer to this as well why was Michael Collins not buried in the Republican plot in St Finbar's Cemetery uh, Terence McSweeney and uh, McCurtain are both buried there and I, I don't know the answer That's Tim Crowley would be the man who we spoke with yesterday I might get John Paul to reach out to Tim to see or maybe there's somebody else listening an expert on Michael Collins why wasn't he buried in the Republican plot in St Finbar's Cemetery why was he taken to Dublin for burial does anybody know the answer to that I'd love to know the answer to that as well thank you Jim for that uh, 0818 103 103 Morris says Patricia I, I actually am at the stage she says, where well, I hate listening to the news. It seems to be murder, slaughter of the innocents, wars. And now, of course, we have the awful flooding this week. Also, when watching the news, what in the name of God is Michael D. Higgins doing over in Rome with the Pope? We have great technology now, i.e. FaceTime. It's not like the visit was necessary. It won't stop war. It won't stop murder. And it certainly won't stop climate change. If anything, it'll add to it because of the flight that he had to uh, take. I saw a a video clip of Michael D. Higgins walking through a doorway and going into a room with the Pope. And they were both on walking sticks and he was helping. He was holding his hand and he was helping him. But you can see Michael D. has a pretty enough uh, bad limp. I was thinking, my God, two elderly men. One is is going to knock the other one uh, over. But they seemed to be having a a great visit. And when when I saw that clip last night of Michael D. with the Pope, what struck me was um, I wish he was known. I didn't realise he was getting an audience with the, the Pope. I'd love to have made contact, sent an email to him to ask him about Father Tony Flannery, who we spoke about this week and ask the Pope to go right to the top for the intervention to have Father Tony reinstated so that he can say Mass in public uh, again. As I say, I wish I'd known that Michael D was going to be that up close and personal with the Pope. 0818103103. And Mossy in West Cork, uh, we've been talking about this, it's been on the news and we've mentioned it on the programme as well. This is this big menopause summit. It's going on uh, today inside in Cork City and it's a complete sellout, which I was thrilled to hear. Uh, Mossy says, I'm a male, so the menopause talk in Cork City doesn't bother me. I'll stop you there. The menopause should bother men as well, because if you live with a woman, then you can be affected by the menopause as well. Anyway, I digress because Mossy wants to make a different point. He says, why has it taken so long to get a very, very important topic like the menopause, which affects half the population of the world since time began? 
Why has it taken so long for it to become front and centre in the media and in women's health? Why has it taken so long for this area of women's health to be recognised and seen as important? Thanking you. And that's from uh, Mossy. All I can say, uh, Mossy, and I know you're a regular contributor by uh, WhatsApp and you regularly give really, really good thoughts and comments on uh, mental health. And menopause is a little bit like mental health. It has taken people such a long time to openly start talking about it. Now, we've started. There's still a way to go. But, you know, we are getting there. And you are right. It does affect half of the world's uh, population. And I know a study of a result in the poll that was carried out in the UK that would be very, it was, this was a couple of years ago, but it would be as applicable to women in the UK as it would be to here. It was a, a menopause medic, uh, Dr Louise Newsom, and uh, she decided to run a survey just to see how menopause was uh, affecting women, particularly women and their careers. And her survey of nearly 4,000 women found 99% felt that menopause or perimenopausal symptoms had a negative impact on their careers, leading to 59% of them having to take time off work, of which 18% took time off work for more than eight weeks. One in five women said they passed on the chance to get a promotion that they would have been otherwise considered for. 19% had to reduce their hours because of the menopause. And the bigger worry of all was 12% of women actually resigned over the menopause. So yeah, menopause is something that we do need to be talking about more and we do need to be focusing on more. So thank you for your text, Mossy, to 086 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. A fashion show in aid of co-action Dunmanway's daycare centre and West Cork Jesters is going to be held in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway uh, this evening with local boutiques from West Cork showcasing their new arrivals for the coming season. Now there's a prize for the best dressed lady and there'll also be a raffle on your ticket. Tickets are 20 euro and they will be available at the door tonight. And Kilbrin Community are hosting a fabulous glitz and glamour fashion show also tonight at 8. All proceeds going to the Alzheimer's Society and Suicide Awareness. Tickets are priced at 10 euro at each. Bingo is on in the store at the Creamer Yard in Kildarry uh, tonight. Starts at 8. Jackpot 2,650 euro. And for tomorrow, Ballinhasic Community First Responders will host a coffee morning. It's, it's with CPR demonstrations. That's tomorrow between half 10 and 1 in Barrett's Bar in Kilidi. And Mick Hanley takes to the stage tomorrow night in St. George's Art and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. Tickets from Event Bright and at local outlets, uh, Reedy's Kitchen, Market the Favourite and Roach's Spar. And the class of 1980, school reunion from Maria Immaculata Secondary School in Dunmanway is being held tomorrow at half past seven in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. And if you are planning on going along, can you please uh, confirm if you're attending to 086 454-0981 but if you are in the Leaving Sir class of 1980 Maria Macalata Secondary School in Dunman where you're very much invited along 
uh, for a night of chat, memories and catch-up. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Super track down Eamon Ryan. Jonah McCroom has just been on to say that Eamon Ryan is actually in McCroom today. Uh, so he could have met some of the North Cork uh, councillors. She reckons, she thinks he was visiting schools, though she's not uh, too uh, sure. So he's obviously spending the entire weekend. He's not just coming for an, for an event. He's doing other things while he's here as well. That's interesting uh, to hear. So the North Cork councillors' ears will be bricked when they hear that. Uh, Anthony says, this is on why Michael Collins wasn't buried in Saint the Republican plot in St. Finbar's. Anthony says, I'm not a historian, but I don't think Michael Collins died as a Republican. Could that be the reason. Somebody else who does have knowledge of it though says Michael Collins is buried in Dublin because at the time he was head of the Irish Army. Oh, okay. So he's interred alongside all those who died in service of the Irish Armed Forces. So that's the reason why he's buried in Dublin. Thank you. I knew there would be somebody in the know who could fill us in. We appreciate that. With reference to Michael D. Higgins going to Rome to visit the Pope, somebody felt, could that, more felt, could that not have been done on Zoom or on on Facebook? Uh, Jason said, at the end of the day, where was he during the Rugby World Cup? Not once did he attend a single rugby match as head of this country to support Ireland and the team. Jason found that appalling as every team had support from their government except Ireland. Did any of the government ministers uh, travel? And I don't know how that works. Does Michael D. Higgins have to be invited or does he put himself forward? I'm not too sure. But uh, Jason missed his presence at the Rugby World Cup. Did anybody else? 0818 103 103. And then on the suggestion from a listener that we should set up, this was Dan says, we should set up a, a nationwide GoFundMe page to help out all those who have been devastated by the floods this week and Dan was making the point we're great at that if ever there's a crisis if there's ever a need anywhere else we'll, we'll be great to contribute and a lot of money would be uh, raised somebody doesn't agree agree with the GoFundMe page says is that a joke or maybe it's a politician texting in government planning and big developers have caused this problem they are the ones that should fix it people have enough expenses now without having to pay repairs that our taxes are meant to cover so that's somebody dead against uh, giving any kind of setting up any kind of a fundraiser for those people who have been uh, flooded and uh, for Moy uh, listener says Patricia forget your rainy day fund or your GoFundMe page page the government have loads of money at their disposal look at all the money that they get on road tax money for diesel and petrol the money that they're getting in through VAT on food and electricity bills and look at the money that they are take, that they are spending taking in Ukrainians and other foreigners while us poor people are still suffering myself and my family are going without food one day a week we should not have to go begging for food it's 2023 and this country is so far behind and so far banjaxed in fact the whole world is banjaxed there's two wars going on at the moment and the so-called superpowers all they're doing is talking about them. And that's a Fomoy listener who says, by the way, uh, Patricia, every place has negatives. It isn't all positives in, in Fomoy. Well, we were big enough Fomoy after that comment last 
uh, weekend and we got way more positives than negatives I have to say about uh, Fromoy. Someone wants to know I wonder did uh, did Amy Ryan cycle from Dublin to Cork? <laughs> we hope he didn't get uh, too uh, wet. Eamon Ryan is hardly in McCroom to fully open the bypass anyway. They'll be lucky if he doesn't close it down. God, but Eamon Ryan really does not, a lot of people do not like uh, that man uh, for sure. And then Michael says, Patricia, with all credit due to Paul Byrne for highlighting the dangers on the road. Remember, we spoke with Paul on Monday and every day this week he's been doing really, really heartbreaking some of his pieces that he's been doing. It's just doing it, you know, because so many people are dying on our roads. He decided that he'd, you know, just do do a piece. So he did a special series and it's been running every day uh, this week. He's spoken, for example, to families who've lost loved ones. Yeah, I saw the wonderful uh, Jason Vandervelt uh, who with the Westcourt Ra- Rapid Response. We've got great admiration for I heard him, you know, talking about the, the, the first responders. They're on the scene and what he has witnessed over the years. It's truly, truly shocking. And, and you know, I saw him yesterday with uh, Jero D from the ambulance service and he's just trying to get the message out to people to please slow it down, please concentrate on the road, leave your phone down and just anything that he can do to try to uh, save a life. So Michael is picking up on that. But he says, sadly, he doesn't think anybody is taking any notice. He says traffic is still speeding and in particular, he's talking about Little Island and they're dangerously overtaking passing concealed entrance entrances of private dwellings. Like I said, I had a very narrow escape myself in recent days when an overtaking car missed the front of my car literally by inches as I was edging and driving very slowly out of my entrance. The County Council and the Gardaí don't seem to want to know. I think they do. I think they're all trying to do their best because we are going to end up this year with probably the highest number of uh, road fatalities that we've seen in quite a few years when you look at the the number of fatalities we've had uh, so far. 0818103103 and just back on the the flooding and the rain that we experienced this week and the certainly people in East Cork querying why a status rain red alert wasn't issued given the scale of the rainfall that fell in parts of uh, East uh, Cork. Met Aaron's head of forecasting Owen Sherlock admitted yesterday that given the scale of the flood damage in the south, this is a direct quote, maybe we need to do a little bit better. And Met Aaron is now going to review the parameters for issuing alerts especially for rainfall and for flooding. And what I hope is that they were listening to us yesterday when we were speaking with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather who I thought made the most sense I've heard in quite some time when he says putting one status yellow orange a red alert for a county the size of Cork is simply not going to work because you're not going to get the same weather when you look at the size of the county of Cork. They need to split up the county and then give out individual alerts for individual um, uh, areas. And so many talk people talking about the flood relief work that's so badly needed for Middleton. We've been talking about it. They were promised it in 2015. They were told it would be up and running within five years. So that would have been 2020. Here we are at 2023 and we've got these devastating uh, floods. And when the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, was in Middleton uh, yesterday, he started talking about flood relief uh, schemes. You know, and he spoke about the fact that about 50 flood relief uh, schemes, um, such as ones that are Douglas and Bandon, um, that they, they, they've done them, you know, from all 
Mallow um, and he said there's another 90 in uh, progress so they are trying to do them but you know Middleton would say well come on you've been talking about ours for quite some time and he did talk about the one in Middleton he did talk about that the preliminary work is done already the environment assessment is underway why has that taken so long then he says we intend to put it to the planning application next year but he said we can't control whether or not people will object and he doesn't want he didn't want to give people timelines but what he can say is that the scheme is being progressed where people will say that is just not uh, quick enough because you know if it gets to the planning application for next year that will be 10 years since the last really bad uh, flood and they'll only be at the planning uh, stage and he also got uh, pushed on and he ended up denying that the government are prioritising greenways and cycle lanes over what people are seeing as vital flood uh, defences. You know, some of the traders were telling him that the defences were not being implemented uh, fast enough and yet we are seeing greenways opening. We are seeing cycle lanes uh, open and, you know, there is that sense that are we giving too much, is there too much emphasis being put on that? And that's not to take away from greenways, it's not to take away from cycleways but when we need flood defences should all of the priority go on uh, flood defences? So the good people of Middleton uh, will still have to wait and when you talk of people having to wait for something, the Children's Hospital back in the news today now now looking like the first patients who will walk through the door of the National Children's Hospital we're now looking at new date for you, summer 2025. But even that date of summer 2025, there's kind of question marks and some doubts around that. The construction company uh, BAM, they're now saying the 29th of October, I'd love to say the 29th of October this year, but it's not. The 29th of October next year, they reckon they will then be complete. But of course, we know it then takes from the builders handing over the keys, it then takes six months before it becomes a working uh, hospital. So that would push us out to the summer of uh, 2025. This was all discussed yesterday at the Public Accounts uh, Committee. But some of the politicians started to express scepticism uh, yesterday uh, when the board overseeing the construction delivered the latest uh, timeline. The PAC chairperson, for example, Brian Stanley, he referred to a series of false dawns relating to this project and he speculated that if the deadline for the Children's Hospital of October next year is missed then he's saying the opening of the hospital could be delayed by as much as January of 2026. Now David Gunning He's the CEO of the, Nat- of the National Pediatric Hospital Development Board. He was before the PSAC yesterday and he believed that it is achievable for the end of October of next year. However, he then acknowledged it was reliant on having enough staff on site as well as other factors relating to resources. And he said he was encouraged by the recent talks with the builders, but he couldn't give 100% absolute guarantees in terms of a complete uh, date. Now it was previously outlined that BAM uh, was meeting about 65% of their targets but the, that percentage would need to be increased to 100% of their targets for the developer to meet the deadline of the end of January 2024. Brian Stanley asked whether uh, an opening date of early 2026 would be more uh, realistic based on BAM's past performances and David Gunning said there was obviously 
what ifs. And then Eilish uh, Hardiman, she was there as she's there as CEO of Children's Health uh, Ireland, and they are the ones who operate all of the children's hospital and will ultimately operate the National Children's Hospital. She said the 2024 uh, timeline, uh, if it was met, the aim was to transfer children from the three hospitals into the new one on the site of St James's Hospital the following summer because uh, we have this six months that it will take to equip and get the hospital ready. And then, of course, the costs were once again mentioned. The final projection cost of the hospital back in 2018, yes, it was that long ago when we started initially talking about it, the cost were one point. Four three uh, billion. The final costs now, well, for now, will be will go to the cabinet at the end of this month or early next month, and the board. Then you know some of the TDs were trying to get them to speculate. I heard Alan Kelly, the Tipperary uh, Labour Tipperary TD, he was pushing the board to say realistically it's going to be well over two uh, billion or uh, more, but he couldn't get anybody to say that for sure. So where are we at? Nearly a third of the rooms in the hospital have been completed. Now, that's a bit of good news and that really is significant uh, progress because back in... June of this year, there was major concerns uh, raised when only 27 of the 3,000 rooms had been completed. So we're up to a third. So about a 1,000 rooms have been uh, completed. And then if you just want to add salt to the wound whenever we talk about the Children's Hospital, this was a sting in the tail that I heard yesterday. It's emerged that the taxpayer was caught for just under a million euro in penalties which have had to be paid by the Hospital Development Board to the Revenue Commissioners. Now, seemingly it arose from a mis classification of tax as well as the wrong tax system had been used and according to David Gunning who's heading up the building of the hospital uh, he says look I only took over uh, the uh, it was before he took over the current role so he's putting his hand up saying nothing to do with me but it has happened but he did add that the board had made a voluntary declaration to the revenue commissioners but the revenue commissioners have to be paid regardless of who you are even if you're building the National Children's Hospital for all the little kids of this uh, country and and a million, close to a million euro in taxpayers' money had to be handed over to uh, revenue. Kind of galling, isn't it? 0818 103 103. A break and we're talking movies with Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And talking movies with our lovely movie reviewer, Mark oh, Miller. Me. Good afternoon, Hello Mark. There. And uh, on the movies today, The Miracle Club and Reptile. We are going to start with a quick trailer from The Miracle Club. What do you want to be going to Lourdes for anyway? I always wanted to go there. If you go out that door, don't bleed bother coming back. Miracles happen there. He could speak. How are you, Chrissy? My mother is dead. I'm in a place I swore I would never come back to. Hi. I wouldn't have recognized you. Forty years would do that to you. I'd say, yeah, mixed. Yes, but it's great to have her back. Marvelous. Bloody marvelous. Congratulations. You're coming to Lourdes. Who's going to have to do the cooking and the cleaning? Not me, I can tell you. That's your job. What will I do on my own? I'll be back before you know it. You will. Mary, mother of God. Welcome to Lourdes. Here's I am sharing with you. <laughs> Is there only one bed? Your man wouldn't have fussed. I am not my mother. Ain't that the truth? 
<laughs> Holy Mary, Mother of God. I am really looking forward to this movie because it's got some of the actors and actresses that I absolutely love. Maggie Smith, Kathy Bates, uh, Stephen Rye and Brenda Fricker. I mean, it's just set in Ireland, very obviously. Well, I should point out Brenda Fricker isn't actually in it. But, uh, oh, you, is she it's not? It's just her voice, by the way. But oh, well, okay. that's good enough for me, by the way, All can right. I point out? Okay. Yeah, it's an Irish film. It's a very, very Irish film. Uh, it's directed by uh, Thaddeus O'Sullivan. Can I just point out, by the way, that I just played a, a fraction of the trailer. If you are, to, oh, you will love this, by the way. Yeah. Um, if you are looking forward to see the film, don't watch the trailer because the oh. trailer gives away so much of uh, okay. the storyline. So I've only, you know, p- given you a, a, a tiny fraction uh, of it. Um, it does give too much information away, I think. Uh, so the Miracle Club. This is directed by an Irish director called Thaddeus O'Sullivan, who's probably best known for Ordinary Decent Criminal. Oh. That was the film with um, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Uh, he was Martin Cahill, the general. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. And around, Great it, movie. There was two movies came out that year about that. There about was. Him. There was a John Borman film with uh, Brendan Gleeson and there was Ordinary a Decent Criminal with uh, Kevin Spacey which was kind of a very American kind of t- telling Take of, of the story yeah. uh, people preferred the European kind of version with John Borman I thought both were fine and so Taddy is, is probably best known for directing Ordinary Decent Criminal although he's, he, he does direct a lot on TV and does a very very fine job here and it was good that there was kind of an Irish uh, kind of director uh, making this film because uh, one of the criticisms of it was that it was very much made for an American audience I'm not really really quite sure because there's lots of lovely little kind of you know little you notice things that only hear in that Ireland only really Irish you, know, yeah, you yeah. know when the kids are out playing and they're singing Wheelie Wheelie Wile yeah, or you know at one stage they walk into a room and they're watching Wonderly Wagon you know stuff oh, like that oh. there's some lovely little Irish kind of touches in the film yeah. do you know what I mean and uh, so because it's set in the sixties, isn't it? Uh, it? It is indeed. But, yeah. yeah, and uh, and I, I think if you, if you certainly if you were a woman of a particular age at that time, you would identify. I think with all the characters here, who are very very well written characters, I must say. So Laura Linney has come back from America. She hasn't seen her mother in forty years, as you hear in the trailer. She said, "I'd never wanted to come back here." Her mother has passed away, so she has to come back to deal with the funeral. With the funeral, exactly. Yeah. And she meets up with Kathy Bates and Maggie Smith, who are all friends and were friends with her mother, and they know that there is. Uh, there's been a problem there uh, and uh, and they know the story behind the relationship between Laura Linney and her mother. So they're all desperate to go to Lourdes for various reasons which I'm not going to go into right now. Okay. Uh, but there's a lovely moment where the um, th- there's a local talent um, competition where they're giving away two tickets to go to Lourdes. So Maggie Smith and uh, Kathy Bates decide that they will uh, enter the competition as the Lourdes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only for the priest to say, oh, we've already got a lure death. Sorry. And they're like, okay, we're the miracles then. And then there's a lovely moment where <laughs> the priest goes, all right, first prize is two tickets to Lourdes. Second prize is a bacon joint. <laughs> Which is one of the most Irish things I think I've ever heard uh, in my uh, life. Can I just say, I was in a, a pub in England about two years ago and I won a pound of sausage. <laughs> I did. They used to have a meat draw and they still do it every Saturday But was, was the first trip a trip to France? No, though? no, no. no, no, no okay. for, it was a chicken. <laughs> So there's lovely kind. There's lovely humour in this. There really is. At one stage, you know, she goes, "I'm off to France," and she goes, and her daughter goes, "I thought you're going off to Lourdes." <laughs> so there's lots of this kind of stuff. You know, one of the criticisms of it actually is that um, you know it's a bit Irish, and of course, you know me, I'm a bit sensitive about all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Especially with accents. I saw an interview with a, a voice coach, an accent coach from America a few years ago, and uh, he's the man who teaches all these actors how to do particular accents. And of course, he was doing and he was showing uh, how to speak you know, Russian or French or German. And he got to the Irish, and of course, it was Hollywood Irish. It was not 
the way we speak in any way, shape or form. And that's one of the problems, I think. Yeah, but you see, I wonder, do Russians, Germans and French say the same thing when they hear their accents? It's, a very, it's very possibly very, very yeah. true. But from our point of view, I mean, yeah, what he did was a Hollywood, you know, 50s Hollywood Irish accent. And But I think, look, you know, we've seen and heard so many really, really bad Irish accents on screen, especially just recently. And when I heard and when I saw the trailer at first, I was a bit sure about, unsure about Kathy Bates. But she does fine. She's right. actually OK. Maggie Smith, brilliant. Maggie Smith is perfect, as you'd expect, because, of course, well, it's Maggie. And yeah. she's brilliant at uh, everything she does. So the thing is, is that uh, they all inveigle their way somehow. They're all heading for Lourdes anyway. So the film is about the trip there and, you know, how old wounds are kind of reopened along the way. And, of course, you know, it forces them all not only to live together, uh, you know, and to, to confront, you know, their pasts and to try, uh, you know, and ser- in search for that miracle in Lourdes, which uh, they are desperate for. And, yes, there are a lot of kind of cliches in it. You know, one of the criticisms of it is that it is a bit Irish. I didn't find that at all. And I think partly the reason why is because all of the actors are really, really good. I mean, Laura Linney could have just, you know, done this for a paycheck. She doesn't. She's terrific. There's a scene between Laura Linney and Maggie Smith, which is absolutely heartbreaking. So at no stage, there's a lot of comedy. I would consider it to be a comedy. It doesn't in any way, shape or form kind of ignore basically what the women and why they're there. The men don't particularly come across very well, as you heard there. Well, yeah, and they're all just worried about being left on their own. But listen, men of the 60s, that's exactly, you know, they would have done none of the housework. Possibly, yeah. We don't come across very particularly well, uh, us men from that era, to be honest with you. But there's a lovely moment where they manipulate the men to make sure that they get to Lourdes and that's very very funny indeed so it's got a really really kind of old school charm I laughed along with it and, uh, and I cried uh, along ah, with it that's good I thought it was absolutely terrific it's in the cinema isn't it it is it's yeah and I would rec- certainly I think women of a particular age will, yeah, will you, really, really enjoy that you get that. a lot of women going along but I loved it and I thought and I certainly recommend it mark it, it out of 10 I give it 9 9 out of 10 for the Miracle Club well done and then very briefly unfortunately Reptile uh, this what is, do we have here Yeah, this is on Netflix uh, this is directed by Grant Singer who's a first-time director. He, he's come from video. He's directed movie, uh, videos like from Sam Smith and Sean Mendes and Taylor Swift. And he's very, very good. I mean, it's, it really is hard to believe that, that this is, you know, his first film, which he co-wrote along with uh, Benicio Del Toro, who stars here. He also produces as well. Obviously, Singer has been uh, influenced by David Fincher in the movies like, uh, you know, Zodiac and Seven. Justin Timberlake is in it. Justin Timberlake comes home to find his wife dead on the floor. Uh, and um, they have to um, get... Benicio Del Toro who's kind of this jaded old cop who's coming to at the end of his career uh, to try and solve uh, the crime it's very very good for most of the film it's two hours 15 minutes long which is crazy long uh, because it's got a very very slow pace initially the first half I thought was absolutely terrific I was loving the soundtrack I was loving all the performances I thought they were absolutely terrific then the story gets incredibly complicated and I kind of lost my way a bit and I was kind of trying to figure out you're trying to work out constantly you know it's a bit like kind of those Knives Out films because there are clues coming in from everywhere. Is there dirty cops as well? Who is it? Who is the killer? Who could it possibly be? And what is the reasoning uh, behind it? So you're constantly having all of this stuff being thrown at you all the time and it gets too overcomplicated. Keep it simple. They could have taken 20 minutes off the film and it could have been really, really good. A lot of people do like it. It's been, it's had its critics, I think uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at about 64%, which is kind of, this is okay, I think. Mm. But if you're into kind of uh, kind of these very slow-moving, bleak kind of thrillers that are kind of a film noir kind of the feel and Benicio Del Toro who's a method actor and you know me with method actors but he's always been somebody I really admired and when he's on screen he just lights up the screen he is really really terrific um, it's on Netflix as I say so if you have Netflix you know it's worth a watch 
Yeah, and uh, uh, did that go straight to Netflix, or would that have been on? I think it, I think it got a similar t- very very very. What, what Netflix tends to do is that they, they they release it to like you know twenty cinemas in the states for a while and to see how it goes. But it went straight to, into Netflix, as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, and I know the, the big one on Disney Plus, and we worked to talk about it today, but we had to push it out to next week. Is the the Wag at the Christie the? Oh. <laughs> but but you know the one thing that struck me when I was I was talking with uh, friends of mine about it because we're uh, I don't maybe men are into it but certainly women are really we followed that story with such great interest the amount of people I've heard who said oh, I'm going to sign up to Disney Plus for it they're very clever they know what they're doing don't they to get people to sign up to these um, to these different sites by deliberately targeting Yes, I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of um, kind of um, uh, programs like this on the TV, whether on Netflix or on Disney Plus. You know, I mean, these documentaries—they're very clever at kind of marketing those uh, and to draw people in. Yeah, so. yeah, because they did it with Beckham as well. Sorry, exactly. I meant to ask you, Mark, reptile out of ten? I'll give it seven. Seven out of ten. Okay, and it's on Netflix. Listen, thanks for that. Have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you again next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon, and I'll talk to you on Monday morning at ten. Until then, uh, look after yourselves and uh, stay dry. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.